Welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast, where we help business founders and sales leaders understand and overcome the challenges of building high-performing sales teams. Hello, and welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast. My name is Josh Sweeney. And I'm Taylor Barnes. All right, Taylor, today we're talking all about sales roles. And I'd love to kick us off just because this is near and dear to my heart, you know, this topic. Um, early on, when I first started hiring salespeople, I thought that there was this magic role. And that magic role was called a salesperson. And all you had to do was put out a, a job description about what you needed. And this person that was a salesperson would show up and they would find new leads, find new deals, close them, quote them, make sure the project goes well, you know, and rinse and repeat to, to bring in lots of revenue. And... And how'd that go? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say it didn't work <laughs> out. Um, multiple times it probably didn't work out. So yeah, so there's a lot to sales roles that people don't know about. You know, the titles, what they do, functions. But before we get into that, do you remember either hiring an early salesperson or a similar struggle? Absolutely. We, we used to hire just on that regard. We would look for, you know, a global account manager, an account executive, a sales rep, whatever you want to call it. And then back in the day in the early 2000s, late 90s, I know you remember these days, too, you would get a Rolodex and a phone and that's about it. it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> CRM, CRM was kind of becoming a thing, but, you know, that it was just about smiling and dialing. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. The days of hiring the one type of salespeople uh, person, uh, they're, they're, it's a bit legacy at this point um, because now there's so many different roles and responsibilities and strengths of each role, super defining how the sales process in an organization should be. Yeah, I know one of the things that changed for me was, you know, in failing to get that person to function, right, to, to drive the sales like we thought they should, uh, multiple times I started reading tons of materials on this, right? If you're going to build a sales organization and you've never done it before, start reading, start interviewing, start educating yourself. And one of the books mm -hmm. I came across was Predictable Revenue. I know that was one of the early ones where they really go through in a well thought out way all the different roles and why they're different roles. So uh, was there was there any educational or pivotal moments you've you've had where it was like, oh, we need to split this this person, this biz dev yeah. person versus an account manager and so on. The, the pivotal moment in, in the organizations that we've run in the past was when we stopped considering marketing and sales different departments. Ah, we uh, we 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 became a sales and marketing department. And I'll give you an example of that, um, not to go too in depth of all the individual roles just yet. But an account executive, uh, you know, would do things like, you know, maintain accounts or go hunt for accounts within his or her specific areas. Uh, and that was the way that he marked he or she marketed their selves. Right. Well, now. Uh, you know, there's things like lead generation and SEO optimization and website traffic that you can drive. But regardless of all of that, there's there, there's things that need to go before the lead generation tool to the sales person. There are, there are there are humans and there are qualification processes that need to go into all that 
before it ultimately gets into the account manager's hands for, you know, true company introduction, opportunity creation and whatnot. So I would say, I mean, the fact that when we merge those two, when this marketing machine wasn't just this, hey, cool, we're generating traffic, we're generating results, we're generating this and that, I'm just going to hand it off. As soon as we got those two integrated in a much better way, we started seeing some serious results. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I mean, I'm a big fan of account-based marketing, the whole ABM process. And and uh, I want to just highlight for our listeners who aren't familiar, you know, it does it is called account based marketing. But that marketing piece, I think, is a big misnomer in how they named it, since it Absolutely. it's really the merging of sales service and uh, delivery or sales and marketing and delivery and um, That's right. making sure they're working as one cohesive team. And I know the, the book I read, I think it was um, account based marketing for dummies is one of them uh, from Sangram over at Terminus. And they talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the same thing you just said. When you merge marketing and sales and comps comp the marketing team like you would in for the sales team, all of a sudden Absolutely. it's not just dumping leads over the fence and the sales team is complaining that these are bad leads. You know, they, yeah. they want to work together all of a sudden because they need leads to turn into closed one opportunities. That's right. And there's a responsibility on both ends, like you're talking about. Now the marketing folks, they want to get an education of what's an opportunity that, that that's worth chasing, what's an opportunity or an ideal client that's worth chasing. So now all of a sudden, marketing is becoming a little salesy. Yeah. And then you've got the salespeople that are educating the marketing folks into just what that needs to be. And then they're actually supporting the initiatives of the marketing departments so that they can continue to get these qualifying leads. So again, that that integration, the execution, I'm sorry, the the education between those two to to make more of a, you know, to make more of a team, a sales and marketing team was paramount. And when we really started seeing results. Yeah. So for our listeners out there, let's talk about um, the roles, what these roles are, what the expectations of some of these roles are, because you said you mentioned like, oh, there's people in between, you know, generating a lead in marketing and a salesperson getting it right. There's lead qual teams and and these the size of these teams and the dynamics change with the scale of the company. Right. If you're a small business and you have two people on the sales team, then then they're going to split things differently. But there's ways to augment. And then there's larger teams with marketing, lead qual, account managers, BDRs, sales reps, et cetera. That's right. And I think you would be actually a really good uh, you know, starting point in that regard based on your history and whatnot. So I would ask you that question first is well, in terms of defining a sales role in the beginning stages, you know, when it's as close when it's closer to marketing than it is in account management, what have you seen? What are those types of what are those roles called? What are those titles called? Things like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so some of the naming varies by the company and the exact functions, but I like the SDR BDR role, you know, so business development or sales development rep um, because when you when I look at marketing and when we work with clients on these we look at what sales triggers are there um, okay so your marketing firm or your marketing either outsource firm or your marketing team is hosting a webinar well to get butts and seats as a, at a webinar it doesn't it's not just marketing sending out a big blast it also needs to be a BDR SDR sending one-to-one emails inviting mm-hmm. people into those onto those webinars or if you're doing a lunch and learn if you're doing a podcast and inviting people on you know we're looking for a lot of one-to-one interactions and i think that's a lot of what the bdr sdr is doing is they're they're setting up a sales cadence an outbound sales cadence or sometimes inbound sales cadence 
and going mm-hmm. through a set of steps around like a LinkedIn connection, a LinkedIn message, a call, an email. You know, they have a methodology of different touch points at each at each um, interval. And, you know, any sales triggers that they have or events they can piggyback on make it a lot easier. Right. They give that they give you're giving that BDR a reason uh, to reach out and get that prospect in the door because you're giving them something. You're inviting them somewhere. So I like the BDR, SDR, especially when we're talking about a lot more outbound. What else are you seeing? So in terms of the yeah outside of your traditional marketing tools and the things that go on in the background with driving traffic, I would agree with you that once the opportunity comes into, let's just say, the click funnel or the funnel or, you know, however it lands on your landing page, and once that human being touches that lead, there needs to be, like you say, there needs to be, you know, some sort of MQL or SQL, which is a marketing qualified lead or a sales qualified lead. And however your company does that, that's a very, very important step. So once it becomes, you know, in the hands of the SDR who continues to continues to uh, validate it, the BDR that continues to validate it, and, and, and right before it gets to someone called an account manager or a sales representative or a global account manager, and uh, you know, and this is just in, in my company experience, we've seen those different roles after SDR and BDR would come more of a sales rep, come more of an account manager. Again, there is there, there is an automatic teaming element to that. Now, I know that we all have the sales reps out there that have been around for many, many years, and they don't understand the difference between however a lead comes in or however they go find it themselves. They will handle it the exact same way. Some of these legacy <laughs> reps will just take it and say, thanks, I'm good. Yeah. Right. But the ones that really make an impact are not just the ones that take the lead and actually do something with it, but also the ones that bring that SDR and that BDR along with them in the process so that SDR and that BDR understands what their future career path might look like as they develop into an account manager or a sales rep. So there's a really good teamwork possibility there, a really good way to invest in the next generation of salesperson. And, uh, and, and I think from a management and a leadership point of view, that should be embedded into your culture, especially when all these, all these chances of, of instilling this education and this up and comer uh, sales role as they develop into this, you know, more senior sales role. But, you know, just kind of getting back to your original question, when it comes to the account manager or the sales representative, this, this is where it gets really broad and really vague, depending on what you do. So if you sell a product or a service and, you know, I can speak to, to both, I guess, um, many times are regional. So you will have a regional sales rep and that, that touches a certain amount of areas. And, uh, then it really comes down to where, the opportunity was originated. So if the, uh, if the SDR or the BDR finds an opportunity that originates in an area, it should, in my opinion, no longer be a round robin if your organization has established regional territories to where that opportunity ends up in the region that that account manager or that sales rep should focus. I've seen it by region, by company size, by enterprise versus small to medium business. I've seen it by vertical. Uh, You you can do a lot of different ways, but it's really important for the leadership roles out there to monitor that process because many times 
there is favoritism that starts coming into play. And SDRs and BDRs will want to give their, oh, this account manager brought me along in the process and it was so wonderful. Um, so really instilling that culture to to support the sales roles that you've built as an organization is, is extremely important. Yeah, I mean, you touched on a couple of things that I want to come back to in just a second. I mean, you talked about, you talked about kind of enterprise sales. So I'd love to catch up with that one because it's fundamentally different than other types of sales. Um, you yeah. touched a little bit about... Um, you know, bringing people along. But what I want to go back to is what you said earlier on the teaming portion. I mean, mm. I know one of the mistakes that I made early on was, you know, when you're a small business, you hire this salesperson, you think they're going to do an awesome job. They get, if they're lucky, they get a week of training and the rest of it's right. on the job, yeah. you know, just run with us, you know, drinking from the fire yeah. hose. And so you know, right. I think I tried that maybe three times, hiring experienced sales reps, had a lot of trouble with that. I mean, this was, I don't know, 13 years ago now. And the best experience I actually had in my first, my first salesperson that actually worked out was I ended up hiring a sales assistant, which was, which was actually a sales assistant. They, the goal was for them to be a salesperson in the future. But the mindset change I had was instead of dumping it on them, they were going to be my assistant and mirror me and assist and help me in sales for the first six months. And all of a sudden, because I wasn't just dumping it on them, I was guiding them along. And because my mindset had changed, I was automatically doing more coaching. And I set some thresholds. I said, okay, they can't, they can't do these things until, you know, X date. And I forced that upon myself, which made me become the coach. And that was actually the best sales rep I had in the early days because Mm -hmm. I spent the time with them and that was a hard change. So I like the yep. I like the aspect you threw in around teaming, right? If somebody brings in a yeah. lead, there's multiple different people that can step in to help make sure that get yeah. that deal gets closed on everybody from marketing to an account manager, you know, who needs to be involved to bring the win in. Subject matter expert to the solution design team to the solution architect, all these anybody that touches pre-sales. Anybody that that touches anything before transition and execution and deliver can assist in the development of that human being in their career as they get into a long-term career path, assuming that they want that. Yeah. Uh, this is a really good opportunity for them to get some real, real-world experience. The only say, you know, to play devil's advocate, there is there is a there's plenty of organizations out there that don't like that because they want the ramp-up time to be one month, two months, yeah. at the most three months, and they expect that individual to start generating some 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 ROI. And I would just caution those individuals out there that think like that, because that's how things like your attrition rates go up. That's how things like your employee morale go down. When you're not willing to take the time to invest, and time could be in the form of weeks and months too, not just the amount of hours, uh, in order to develop that, that individual properly. Um, then I think, you know, that, that you're setting the wrong expectation. So just kind of coming all the way back in the middle when you're when you're hiring for these sales roles and whatnot. I think it's really important that the message to those individuals, if they are going to be brought on to one of those SDR BDRs, that they understand the ramp up time is going to be six months, nine months, 12 months, what have you, so that you're so that you're setting the right expectation for your employee as well as, you know, the organizational expectation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the timing really comes down to 
um, how much time they get in real training too, like hands-on training. Cause I've seen, you know, founder led small companies that have less than 10 people, but every time they bring in a salesperson, that founder, you know, clears their calendar for the next week or that sales mm. manager in a larger organization, you know, brings in three people at a time. They clear their calendar for the next week and they're heavily yeah. involved heads down and getting those people up to speed. So obviously yeah. that can shrink the time, but you can't say, say, you know, I think what you're getting at in some ways is you can't say, well, we want you up to speed in one month. And oh, by the way, here's your desk and your phone. You know, it doesn't That's quite work right. that way. <laughs> it does not work that way. So, yes. Yeah, so one of the things that I'd like our listeners to think about here is really have they established sales roles? Have they? And if not, do they need assistance in doing so? Uh, number two, they need to look at their business model and what a typical sales cycle looks like. You know, if they're selling a service or a product, all those things are going to apply. Uh, and, you know, the size of the organization will as well. There's plenty of organizations out there that are their own SDRs, own yeah. BDR. I can tell you when we started our companies, that's all that we were. We were our own lead gen tools. You know, we were running around the streets with signs. You know, it was whatever it takes to to get some inbound generation. I could so, see you. I could see you as a sign spinner. I think that I'm a sign spinner. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good at it. You know, I'm athletic enough to do that. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, it's I don't want to sound naive here in the fact that you know if you've got a five person organization, one individual needs to have every single role. It's not saying that, but even if you're going to share some of these roles and responsibilities, I think it's really important for organizations and leaders out there to, to, to lean into that process, regardless if you're going to call it an SDR or call it a BDR, whatever that is, but you need to lean into the process of from the minute that demand gen is, is, is created and then lead gen is done and qualification is done et cetera, et cetera, all the way to like an opportunity actually being created. It's really important that you that you nail down those roles and responsibilities, regardless of how many humans you throw at it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things you mentioned there was, you know, the splitting up of the roles, you know, what are the different roles? Um, how can other people assist? One of the things I come across all the time that I, I find kind of fascinating is the sales, let's say a sales rep, right? So they have a sales rep, they get leads from marketing, they're working those leads, or um, let's even go to a, an outbound sales rep, right? They have to go generate their own leads. Anytime mm -hmm. the business is making them go find all the data. I always find that kind of fascinating where, you know, when you look at augmented data and getting lists of people, you know, there's lots of yeah. tools for that. You can outsource it to the mm -hmm. Philippines for literally $5 an hour. Um, That's right. Anybody listening yeah. who doesn't know how to do that, I can point you to the right people that help you outsource those things. But like, I've had people argue with me that their reps need to go find all of these, these people in order to do outbound sales. And my counter was, was, so you want to take a forty fifty thousand $50,000 a year base person and have them spending two hours a day gathering data um, to reach out? Or do you want to outsource it and have somebody for way less develop, you know, provide data for your whole team? So what I get, what I guess I'm getting at for you is what are the things that, you know, you see need to be split out to another person? What, what is something yeah. a sales rep or a BDR account manager shouldn't be doing that either yeah. should be on another role or be, you know, offset to the marketing team or what? Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a really good question. And, it, and it's a challenge for so many organizations out there because they forget why they hired the individual many times. And it's based on certain skill sets 
in strengths. So just like you mentioned here, would you want a 10 to 12 year seasoned enterprise account rep that's a phenomenal territorial guy and he's got four or five, you know, clients that he's got amazing relationships with. And and then you tell that guy to start that guy to start hunting and then here's a list of accounts and, you know, maybe some marketing tools and maybe create your own PDFs for, <laughs> right. you know, that, 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 that falls on its face. So yeah, it really is about, you know, being able to delegate, you know, or, or delineate between roles and responsibilities at, at the sales level. I mean, you know, there, there is, there's nothing wrong at all with trying to get any salesperson at any uh, at any point to, to, to fine tune some of their hunter skills versus their farming skills. That, that, that's a good thing that you generally want, you know, the, the, but, but what it really comes down to Josh is like you said, it's the return on investment. So if I'm going to hire a seasoned account rep and put him or her into a, you know, a channel type business, like a technology business, for instance, that has established accounts already, established buyers, established consumers. And all that they have to do is make sure that they're staying relevant, keeping them up to date, keeping the reviews in line. Well, the last thing in the world that's going to make me more money is pulling him or her off that job. You know what I mean? Like that needs to be the job that they that they focus on. So if we if we want to increase our, our expansion within that ter- territory and potentially create more consumers, I'm absolutely pulling in another team to do that. A sales development team, a business development team, or a BDR team, or what have you. Someone that can work in the background of that individual and and really just feed him or her the appropriate qualified leads within those areas. Yeah, I like what you said earlier about, you know, people forgetting what they hired them for. I think we've talked about Mm. this a little bit before, at least brainstorm that, you know, salespeople get so many different tasks just dumped onto them because they are the salesperson, right? When really a lot of that stuff can be delegated out, it can go to other places. So one that Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier uh, was the concept of lead qual. So... You know, I think as our last item, let's talk a little bit about lead qual and even a lead qualification person team, how that should work in a small versus a large business. So, you know, just to clarify for some of our listeners, lead qualification is, you know, as the leads go up, the number of leads go up or the quantity, they have to be qualified in some way before they go over to a sales representative. Right. So that you're not inundating them with all of this, um, Mm -hmm. you know, any garbage leads or anything else. Right. There's some spot checking that happens. And I'll talk a little bit, I guess, about a small business. And then you can talk about, you know, what happens when you actually have larger teams of lead calls. So, I mean, I know in a small business that kind of gets or should get offset to marketing. Marketing gets these leads Mm -hmm. in and then it's not the lead came in, the person filled out the form, now kick it over to an account manager. Marketing needs to do some qualification on that, right? Is is the data good? Do I have the right email? Do I have the right phone number? Can we augment that data in any way so that the sales rep can now reach out on multiple channels? Do we have their LinkedIn information? You know, what can marketing can qualify that? And then they can also qualify the deal. You know, is this company a size company that fits in our wheelhouse? Or is is this just a random lead that came in and mm. everything looks good, but you know, it's a 50-person company and we only do enterprise 
otherwise work. You know, I see a lot of that where just anything marketing gets, they're dumping over the wall. So that's you right. know, a lot of times in a smaller company, marketing needs to do the lead qual. But in, in larger organizations, you have lead qual teams and other processes. What have you seen uh, in that perspective as you scale up? It is not much different, but <laughs> I use I use it these days. It's not much different. And there is, you know, let's pretend for a second before we talk about lead qual that the ideal avatar or the ideal customer has been established. The organization understands what makes a perfect candidate or their ideal candidate. So let's just say that they've got that figured out. Well, then, of course, uh, any department can start qualifying the leads. But I will say in, in, in all three of our organizations, we do not when we bring on someone new for sales, they don't begin in sales. They begin reporting to our director of marketing. And that is 100% by design. That solves two problems. The first of which is that they understand exactly how the demand generation goes. What message got what response? So they understand and they can start building some tribal knowledge around you know, messaging, general communication, regardless of what we're selling. Now, the other part of that is if you put them in marketing, for instance, and they understand those things that you just mentioned, they are not going to be influenced by the old guard that yeah. is sitting over in sales. Because look, I mean, we'd be naive to say that things today were, were, are, are, are the same as they were as recent as four or five years ago. They're not, you know, marketing departments, human capital relating to to search engine, I'm sorry, um, human capital relating to, to lead generation has gone down and technology and tools has gone up. So just, just, Things have changed, generally speaking, so that when we bring on a salesperson, it's extremely important that they begin as a sales development representative, as an inside sales, as a, as a you know general BDR, what have you. And so they're generating just mass amounts of interest and then at some point getting into lead qualification. And, and the way that they do that lead qualification, I think is, is, you know, it's going to change depending on the organization, but until that organization has established exactly what makes a good client and what makes a good opportunity, those two things specifically, then lead qualification is just a word. <laughs> right. you know? And that lead qualification has to be trained at the DNA level of the people that are passing over those leads. Because the last thing in the world you can have when you want to integrate sales and marketing is some friction between those two, that sales does nothing with the leads that marketing's passing over, and sales does nothing with the leads because the leads are crap. You don't want that. That's when it starts to fall on its head and, and break. So that system, again, it, that's why it's so important to establish all those things ahead of time in order to, uh, to obviously have an excellent, not just teamwork, internal sales experience to assist the younger folks in developing themselves as, as true sales professionals and, and you know, establishing their career paths. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're all in this to make money and, and generate some top line revenue growth. The only way that you're going to do that in the fastest way you're going to be able to do that is by having all those things built out in your pre-sales and sales process. Yeah, I love that you brought up that ideal client because that's one. I mean, I know for our projects, one of the first thing we do is get a list of all of the the closed one deals that they've had in the last two years and analyze that and say, do more of this. 
Right. And a lot of people really, they anecdotally know what the information is, but they don't have it from a data perspective. Um, So, yeah, I mean, knowing that you can't qualify somebody out if you don't know what that data is. If you don't know that majority of your deals have been for enterprise clients and this is a 50 person company, we should qualify that out because the way we sell it, the cost around selling it, the delivery is and, and the economics are fundamentally different. Um, you know, the price point's not at the right place for a small business. Like there's all these, like you said, pieces, areas of friction that come into play. Um, so yeah, I love knowing who that client is so that marketing can say, nope, we're going to cut that one out because I mean, I don't know about you, but I've always seen if they don't cut that out, sales will always, always seems to go after it. Right. It's like, this isn't even in your wheelhouse, but you gave me the lead. And as a sales guy, I'm going to go after it. And that's a lot of opportunity loss and time loss on a bad lead. Mm. No is a complete sentence. (laughs) And and the the quickest way to a no is almost as powerful as the quickest way to a yes. You've got to work smart, especially in pre-sales, in order to get things to at least the 50% line and give yourself a fighting chance to win an opportunity. But more importantly, win an opportunity that you want to win and that you can deliver on. Yeah, that'll move the needle. All right. So as a quick recap, I mean, I felt like we covered a third of the potential roles that are out there. You know, we didn't cover inbound, outbound, but we did get SDRs, BDRs, some lead qual information in there, a little bit about sales reps. Um, So any closing words for our viewers or listeners? Uh, You know, (laughs) I I would say that, yeah, I would say that, again, establishing those roles and responsibilities ahead of time, regardless of how many people you're going to throw at it. Um, it doesn't need to be one for one. I mean, people can share responsibilities. Don't get me wrong. But establishing that ahead of time, I, I, I guarantee the amount of actual opportunities, qualified opportunities, opportunities that you have given yourself the best chance to win and that you have the best chance in delivering on exceptionally, this will 10x the return in that regard. Awesome. Well, we will share more about sales roles. Obviously, it doesn't fit in one episode, so there will be more to come. And uh, we look forward to hearing from all of you. If you have any other questions, send them in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening platform.